Okay, good evening. Good evening. Special thank you to the Rappaport family for sponsoring tonight's shear. They're doing so in honor of the yard site of Rabbi Rappaport's father, Harab Menachem Mendel ben Shlomo Meir HaKohen, his neshama should have an aliyah. Amen. Before my mother passed away, I found myself traveling a lot. Went back and forth to LA a couple times. I was in St. Louis in between. And every time I was at the airport around many different types of people, somehow, inevitably, conversations would always start. People would come over to me. They could tell somehow that I was probably Jewish. (laughs) And interestingly, every conversation at least in my personal case, was always very positive. I was boarding the plane to St. Louis, standing there waiting to to get on. There was a massive human being standing right next to me, did not look Jewish, and he turns to me and asks, are you a rabbi? So I said, yes. And he said, I'm standing with you. You should know, he continued, recently I've been learning a lot about Hashem and I've been reading the Torah. And then he added, if anything goes down, I'll be your gladiator. (laughs) It was Southwest, so you got to choose your own seat. So I sat in one row and he sat in the row right behind me. And throughout the flight, he would make sure I was okay. He would tap me on the shoulder. He got an extra bag of Cheez-Its. Rabbi, want some Cheez-Its? Okay, thank you. The sad part of that story is that it's also a commentary on where we're holding our reality that if somebody sees a religious Jew, one of the first things that might cross their mind is, if something goes down, why would you think something should go down? The famous Rashi, explaining the message that Yaakov sends to Esau, is always troubling, because Rashi tells us, im lovin garti, Garti's Bigamatria Taryag, and his main message to Esav was, You should know, Im Lovin Garti, Vitaryag Mitzvah Shemarti, Vilolamadati Mimasav Haroyim. I was living with Lavan, I kept all of the mitzvos, and I did not learn from his evil, corrupt ways. Why in the world, strategically, would Yaakov feel it necessary to send this particular message to his brother who is bent on his destruction? Esav is coming. His intention is to kill you. What can you say to possibly alleviate some of that hatred? Oh, maybe I could tell him what an amazing Ebed Hashem I am and how I've been keeping the mitzvot and halacha meticulously for more than two decades. Maybe that would be helpful when he hates me and he hates God and he hates Judaism. Why in the world would Yaakov send that message to Esau? There's an article in Forbes 
that speaks about a disturbing new survey that suggests that many Jewish students feel pressure to hide their Jewish identity on college campuses. These figures shouldn't be surprising. Hate crimes against Jewish students are at an all-time high. Across the nation, an absolute majority of religion-based hate crimes are committed against Jews, even though they only account for 2% of the American population. Even more disturbingly, students experience college campus, experiences on college campus apparently reinforce their, their perception that they should hide their Judaism, because when we interviewed freshmen, there was a lower percentage of those who said, I don't feel comfortable acting or demonstrating the fact that I'm Jewish in public. When we interviewed seniors, it was a higher percentage. This article in Forbes goes back to September 24th, 2021. An article, March 2023, speaking about the anti-Semitism throughout the world during the year 2022. Anti-Semitic incidents in the U.S. rose 36%. In 2022, an annual audit by the ADL shows that after tracking almost 4,000 incidents, it's the third time in five years that the tally has been the highest number ever recorded since the ADL first began collecting data in 1979. Now we fast forward to November 5th, 2023, after... October 7th. We knew as soon as October 7th took place, even before we fully understood the impact of that massacre, we knew that the world would be changed forever. The ADF now reports that there's been an increase 388% in anti-Semitism throughout America since October 7th. Generally speaking, if we look throughout history, there are certain things that we could point to that we could say with a real sense of confidence, the non-Jewish world doesn't appreciate when we as Jews do fill in the blank. There are a few things we could fill in the blank. One, Rashi tells us, during the time of famine, Yosef was in Mitzrayim, Yaakov and his son still had uh, something to eat, but things were getting closer to desperation. Yaakov tells his sons, Lama tisro, Lama tor atmechen bifnei b'nei Yishmol, b'nei Esav, ki'ilu atem seveim. Make sure that you're not giving off the appearance that you're satiated, that you're okay, that you're thriving. In front of B'nai Yishmol and B'nai Esav, giving off that appearance will only stoke the coals of hatred. A similar idea we find in the Kliyakar, in the beginning of Sefer Devarim. Moshe recounts that Rav Lechem Penu Lechem Tzvona. The Klal Yisrael were given the instructions, turn towards the north. Now Tzvona can mean towards the north. But it also has a connotation of tzafum, to be hidden, 
to be concealed. So explains the Kliyakar. The deeper message in this Pasuk <coughs> is... The Jewish person finds in our present Gullus some measure of success. You're doing well, you're making money, you're gaining a reputation. You have two options. You could either try to exploit and share your success with others, or you could be discreet and you could somewhat hide your hatzlacha. Penu lechem tzvona, these are instructions, writes the Kliyakar, for all of our time in Gullus. Keep it quiet. Don't flaunt it. V'chein Yaakov tzivalabonov, this was the instructions that Yaakov gave to his children. Don't appear as if you're satiated. Don't appear as if you're thriving. And then he goes on with a very harsh commentary. He says, This Eitzah given to us in the Torah seems to be the opposite of what many of us are doing, unfortunately. Person has a little bit of wealth. The trend is we want to appear as if we have even more than that which we have. This behavior, though, creates a sense of jealousy. And by acting in this way, not not conducting ourselves with a feeling of dignity, being discreet but wanting to share and, and, and demonstrate how much we've accomplished, that only creates more hatred. Unfortunately, this type of behavior, not living with the model of with modesty, with dignity, that is one of the causes for the hatred that we've been experiencing. And those of you who are wise, hopefully you'll take this to heart. So we want to fill in the blank. One of those things that we could potentially do that the non-Jewish world doesn't appreciate is to stand up and cheer to show how incredible we are, all of our accomplishments, if we're wealthy, if we're powerful, if we're influential, not to say that's the reason behind anti-Semitism. We know that's not true. The ultimate reason behind anti-Semitism is much deeper, and that's beyond the scope of this discussion. But what we're gleaning from the Kliyakar and from Rashi is that one thing we could point to that is not appreciated living in Gullus amongst the non-Jewish world is showing our pride and arrogance. Therefore, the question is only compounded again. What was Yaakov thinking? You should know what an incredible Jew I am. Im shemarti. What are you doing, Yaakov? Asaph's not going to appreciate that. Friday night, I mentioned that 
one of the community members was told by one of our non-Jewish neighbors that on their Sabbath, when you have people walking in the middle of the street, they're walking around like they own the place. Walking around like you own the place, we mentioned, he probably didn't realize, but he was paraphrasing Martin Luther, the founder of the Protestant movement, Russia, Martin Luther, though, has an essay where he speaks about how to deal with the problem that we face, namely the Jewish people. I'll share some highlights with you. What shall we do with this rejected, condemned nation, the Jews? Since they live among us, we dare not tolerate their conduct now that we're aware of their lying and their blasphemy. If we do, we become sharers in their lies, cursing, and blasphemy. I will give you my sincere advice. First, you should set fire to their synagogues or schools and to bury and cover with dirt whatever will not burn, so that no man will ever again see a stone or cinder of them. Second, I advise their houses also be razed and destroyed, for they pursue in them the same aims as they do in their synagogues. Instead, they should be lodged under one roof, under a barn like the gypsies. This will bring home to them that they are not masters in our country as they boast, but they are living in exile and in captivity. So Martin Luther shared it with us. There's something about perceiving the Jewish nation living in exile but walking around as if we're the masters of this land. This is ours. We're in control. That touches a very raw, sensitive chord in B'nai Esav and B'nai Yishmo. Third, I advise their prayer books, their volumes of Talmud should be destroyed. Fourth, I advise their rabbis to be forbidden to teach under the pain of loss of life or limb. Fifth, I advise that any kind of policy we have for guarding and protecting people on the highways should not apply to the Jews because they have no right to be there in the first place. Sixth, I advise that all cash and treasure of silver should be removed from the Jews and put aside for safekeeping. And seventh, I would say, give them an axe, a hoe, a spade, a spindle into the hands of the young Jews that they could actually do something by the sweat of their brow, as was imposed on the children of Adam. For it's not fitting that they should be, they should let us accursed goyim toil in the sweat of our faces, while they, the holy people, idle away their time behind the stove. The accursed goyim. But what will happen if we do not burn down the synagogues and forbid them publicly to praise God, to pray, to teach, to utter God's name, they will, they will still keep doing it in secret. And if we know they're doing it in secret, it's the same as if they were doing it publicly. And on this line, he was actually correct. It's very hard to extinguish the fire of Torah within Klal Yisrael. You might argue it's impossible. If we can't fully destroy and take down the edifice of the Jewish people, and even if we outlaw it publicly, they're still going to practice their ways of, of Judaism. And therefore it's going to continue and fester and eventually thrive once again. But 
we see, though, is that this mentality of viewing us as we don't really belong here, this is not our homeland, and when we have a sense, or at least they perceive that we have a sense of mastery, of bylus, this is ours. That's another way to fill in the blank. They don't appreciate that. And again, the question, therefore, is, what was Yaakov doing? <coughs> Boasting in a proud way. Look at me, I'm an accomplished Jew. I remember reading, I think it's a quote from Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. He said that non-Jews respect Jews who respect Judaism. And non-Jews are embarrassed of Jews who are embarrassed of Judaism. And there's a very simple but powerful distinction that we have to make. To pretend that we own this place, living outside of Eretz Yisrael, to boast, to show off, to take pride in any worldly accomplishments, trying to outdo the other nations, that's something they don't appreciate, and that stokes the coals of hatred. However, Yaakov Avinu was purposely avoiding any message of the fact that I have Hatzlacha, I was successful, look at how many animals I have, look at my flock, look at my incredible family, everything that I own. He stayed away from that. Because he understood what Rashi says, he knew the Kliyakar very well. Esav, Yishmol, they don't appreciate our success at Olam Hazet. If anything, they view Olam Hazet as theirs, and whatever we have is Gazula Biadenu. It's stolen goods. The only thing that Yaakov focused on was his accomplishments in Ruchnius, in his spiritual life. You should know, Esau, even though I was living with Lavan in such darkness and corruption, and I could have got down to his level and lost my moral compass, I could have done that easily. If I was a lesser man, I would have done that. However, Taryag mitzvah shemarti v'lo lemarati mimasav haroi. Why am I sharing this with you? Because I'm letting you know that I respect my Judaism. And I'm not embarrassed of my mitzvos. And yes, I do stand tall and proud that I'm an Ebed Hashem. And if I generally wear my tzitzis out, I will not tuck them in. And if I haven't been wearing them out until now, perhaps now is the time to start doing so. And I'm not going to take down my mezuzah, because now people will know I'm Jewish. I'm proud of the fact that I'm Jewish. And I say, Ashreinu matov chelkeinu. Thank you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, for allowing me to be part of this Am HaNivchar. So on one hand, Ramosha Feinstein explains, the reason for Yaakov's message to Esau was, you need to know before we meet, this is who I am, this is what I'm about. If you have any intention of making Sholom, as he eventually requested, let's have our families join together, we'll travel together, Shalom is always the greatest priority. Shalom bias trumps everything. However, it never allows us to compromise on our values. These are my values. Taryag mitzvah shemarti, this is who I am. If you accept that and you respect that, then we can have a working relationship. If you don't, there's nothing to talk about. 
There's another level as well. My nephew, many of you know my oldest nephew, Zachariah, who's learning here in TTB. So his younger brother, who's in 12th grade in LA, he was walking with his mother on Shabbos, and he had his hat and jacket on, clearly looking like a Jew. And someone came over to him with a real sense of concern. You should take the hat off. You should make sure that, that no one could see your yarmulke. People are going to know you're Jewish. We're living in dangerous times. Now, it's true. There are certain places in the world that you should probably not be walking around with your hat and jacket on. And that has always been the case. And perhaps that's true even more so Bisman Hazet. If you find yourself in a Russian airport, you might want to take off the yarmulke, right? But assuming we're in a place where, halachically speaking, this is not in the category of sakana, it might feel more awkward now than usual, and people are looking at you more than they did before. That's not a reason to take off the yarmulke. So my nephew answered back, thank you for your concern, but I actually walk around proud with my hat on. It's okay that people know I'm Jewish. I'm fortunate to be Jewish. It's a message we have to share with others, but perhaps even more importantly, it's a message we have to really share with ourselves. Aaron Leib Steidman suggested that maybe this is a deeper understanding of this Rashi. When Yaakov said, I've been living with Lovan, Taryag Mitzvah Shemarti, Lovamadati Mimasav Haroim. His main goal was not to send that message to Esau. Perhaps even more, he was sending that message to himself. Rav Aaron Leib says, We know the goal of every mitzvah is obviously to connect with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. And the more we're reminded of that connection and that relationship, the more real and, and vibrant it becomes within our lives. Yaakov was sending this message even if Asaph didn't fully understand what Yaakov was saying, he didn't say it explicitly. He didn't actually say, Taryag mitzvah shemarti. He said, Imloven garti, alluding to the fact that he stayed strongly connected to his Judaism. I don't care what Asaph picks up on or not. It's more about me than it is about him. So there's really, there's two dimensions here. One is for the outside world. Yes, they will look at you. And yes, many of them may look down upon you because you're Jewish. And whatever that means in their heads, based on whatever they've been fed, it'll mean what it'll mean. But ultimately, there's more respect for Jews who respect their Judaism. What's interesting is that the very character of a Jew is described in two very different ways. On one hand, the Gemara tells us in Yevamos, that Rachmanim Baishanim Vagom Lechasadim, the character traits of a Jew, they're compassionate, they're Baishanim, they're somewhat reserved, and they do Chesed. That's the nature, that's the Tuchunas and Nefesh of a Jew. On the other hand, we have a Gemara in Beya that says, Why were Klal Yisrael chosen to receive the Torah? Mipnei Manos Torah Yisrael, Mipnei Shehein Azin because they're bold, because they're brazen, because they have chutzpah. That's really what it means. 
The Jewish nation is the nation of Azus amongst all the nations of the world, the Gemara says. Just like the Kelev has the most Azus amongst all the animals. Okay. The Gemara seems to be giving us somewhat of a, of a Shavach. It's praising Klal Yisrael. The fact that it's comparing us to a dog is a little bit surprising. And what is it about a dog that's categorized or described as having more Azus? more chutzpah than other animals. The Marsha explains. The Marsha says that when the Gemara speaks about Klal Yisrael having azus, it doesn't mean that we're obnoxious. It doesn't mean that we're just out there and loud. No, we're refined, we're dignified. Rachmanim, Baishanim, Vagomle, Chasadim. Azus is referring to a particular type of being stubborn. I'm not going to turn back when anybody gets in my way if I feel that my direction is the Derech Hashem. That's the Azus of Klal Yisrael. We're bold in staying strong and committed to our direction, to our avoda. Now the Marsha further explains that because we have this intuitively, somewhat embedded in our neshama, in the hardwiring of our, of our inner being, without the Torah, that might express itself as being obnoxious and loud. So on one hand, yes, it's a stereotype. Jews are always loud, and they're not put together. Is that true or not? Well, it could be true. It would make sense if you find some layer of truth to that stereotype, because the Gemara is saying there's a natural azus. When we have the Torah directing us how to channel that azus, how to take that stubborn personality and make sure that we're using it in our Vodas Hashem, not allowing anything or anybody to get in the way, that's why we were given the Torah, because we have it. If we're living outside the realm of Torah, that might express itself as being obnoxious. When Moshe was davening for Hashem not to destroy Klal Yisrael after the chait of the Egel Hazov, right, the sin of the golden calf, what was the winning argument of Moshe Rabbeinu? After Hashem told Moshe, I can't continue with Klal Yisrael because they're Am Kishayorif. They're a stiff-necked nation. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said that twice to Moshe Rabbeinu. What's Moshe Rabbeinu's response? Stay with us because we're so stubborn. That's exactly why Hashem said he has a hard time dealing with you. Explains the Ralbag, Moshe's response to HaKadosh Baruch Hu was very straightforward. Yes, I understand you're having a hard time with us because of this particular character trait that we have. However, because I'm Kesheorif, because we are stiff-necked, once we're on that path, lo yasuru mizosamuna amitis, we will never deviate from the truth of our amuna. Because I'm Kesheorif. Ultimately, in the times of Mashiach, the Mishnah tells us in Sota one indication that we're getting closer to the ikvisa, the Mashiach, 
is chutzpah yazke. Chutzpah yazke means that chutzpah will be pervasive. Now generally that's referring to a negative form of chutzpah. And I don't think we're going out too far on a limb to say there's a lot of that in the world on many, many levels, nationally and within communities and families. However, there's also a positive angle to chutzpah yaske, which is there's going to be more azus, more brazenness that we're able to tap into. Meaning the azus that's really embedded within the Jewish neshama, that's going to be easier to access. We still daven that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should allow us to channel that azus in the right direction. But azus Yes, it is pervasive, and yes, we are tapping into it. I remember reading years ago from Shimshon Pincus. He says that, and this is really almost a prophetic statement. He wrote this decades before what took place on October 7th and the, the revolution within Klal Yisrael that has taken place over this time. Shimshon Pincus writes that if you were ever to have a foreign nation come in and take over Israel and they would now make new decrees against the Jewish people we're allowing you to live however there's no kashras and you're not allowed to keep Shabbos what would the response be? so you might have thought listen those people who keep kosher and who keep Shabbos they would want to fight back vehemently how dare you impact our way of life? And those who weren't keeping kosher and didn't keep Shabbos, they wouldn't care that much. It doesn't impact me. Write some Shimshon Pincus, if that's what you think, you clearly don't understand the inner workings of a Jew. If that were to ever take place, Chalil Vachas, Iran comes in and they impose these restrictions upon the Jewish people. You can't keep kosher and you can't keep Shabbos. Writes from Shimshon Pingus, at that moment, every single Jew, no matter how secular you are, would stand up and say, over my dead body. That's not going to happen here. You can't tell Kalal Yisrael not to keep Shabbos. You can't tell us not to eat kosher. This is who we are. Sometimes it takes that kind of external pressure to bring out that chutzpah. But at the times of Mashiach, chutzpah yaske, that chutzpah is going to be prevalent and accessible. Yaakov sent the message, Tariag Mitzvah Shemarti, to let Esav know, I'm very proud of who I am, and the only idea of negotiating, the only way we can make a deal, a truce working forward, potentially living with each other in some semblance of shalom, is with this premise that I'm an Evan Hashem. I'm telling that to Asa that he should know, and I'm telling that to myself, that no matter what the world may think of me because of what I'm doing, that could only embolden me, that could make me stronger and more committed. Mirz Hashem, we should all be Zoha to be able to stand up with courage and with clarity and always say, Im Lovan Garti, we're living in a world of such sheker. Taryag mitzvah shemarti, but this is my identity. I'm one who keeps the Torah without any sense of, of being embarrassed or ashamed. Velo lemadativ mimaisav haroim, and I'm not going to learn from any of the corrupt ways outside that are trying to infiltrate 
my way of viewing life and viewing truth. A good Shabbos.